Come on, somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Are you thankful to be in a relationship with God? The one and only. Hallelujah. Somebody magnify him. Why don't you lift up your hands all across this building and let's just love him for a few moments. Let's just love Jesus for a few moments. Hallelujah. What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? Hallelujah. We are so grateful, God, that you take note of every individual, God, that you love us and that you want to have a relationship with us. We give you great praise. Hallelujah. Somebody worship him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Praise the Lord. It's so good to be in the house of God here. Amen. On this midweek service in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Anybody thankful to be in church? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to be uh, turning in our Bible. We're going to be going to the book of Joel chapter 2 and verse number 12. Joel 2 and 12. And we're going to be continuing on in our lessons. We're talking about private devotion. Two weeks ago I talked about private devotions and I started with prayer. I feel like God deposited um, this is all part of our to be continued. We're talking about uh, that they continued in prayer, and so we're gonna we're gonna keep that moving. Uh, but I believe that private devotions are important, and there are three things that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter six, and I'm gonna be talking about each of them. He talked about prayer, talked about what I'm talking about tonight. That's fasting, and he also talked about giving. Now, brother Rowley, how many enjoyed that service this Sunday? Hey, it, it, was, it was awesome. You know, there's, it, it's, it's one of those things that I, he didn't even know. I told him, I said, man, you didn't even know. I'm going to be teaching on this, and I had had it planned for a long time. Some people think you only teach on uh, giving when there's a problem with giving, but I think uh, you ought to teach on it when, when people are getting it and just encourage those. You know, the only people that don't like when you talk about money are those that are not giving. But everybody else, we're shouting and excited because we know that we're going to receive the blessing of the Lord. Amen. So come prepare for that next week. And uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. We're gonna just dive a little bit deeper. Hopefully, give some people a little more revelation um, about this concept of private devotion through giving. Uh, but today, I'm gonna be talking about private devotions, uh, and it's gonna be titling it "Fasting" in Jesus' name. But Joel chapter two and verse twelve, the Bible says, "Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning." And rend your heart and not your garments. And turn to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Talking about the power of turning to the Lord with all your heart, with prayer and with fasting. That God, he's slow to anger, he's gracious, he's merciful. He's of a great kindness, and he repents of any of the evil, or he turns from judgment to mercy. And I want to teach to us today about fasting in Jesus' name. Would you set down your Bibles and lift up your hands, and let's pray all across this building in the name of Jesus. Come on. Lord, we're asking to go to another level in our, in our walk with you, in our private devotion life. I pray, God, that you would help me to teach this. 
Because I really do believe that this right here can absolutely turn people's lives around, God. We give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Fist bump your neighbor and tell him God bless you and you may be seated. Amen. Fasting. Fasting. What exactly does it mean to fast? Most of us know the concept of breakfast. <laughs> but you, some people, they say breakfast is the most important meal of the day. But in, when you get up in the morning and you eat your Cheerios, if you're back from that generation, or if you are eating your tricks, which are for kids, or Lucky Charms, or whatever the case may be, or maybe it's bacon and eggs, and you're just seeking the Lord in that moment, amen, and feeling blessed and favored, uh, you are breaking a fast. Now, everybody in the natural fasts, every night. It's not a spiritual thing. Uh, unless you have a rare condition where you eat while you sleep. Now, some folks, they wake up in the morning, wonder why stuff doesn't fit, and they think, I must have ate last night in the middle of my sleep. Now, you might sleepwalk, but I promise you don't sleep eat. Uh, and so uh, you got you to gotta watch out for that. But when you wake up in the morning and you take a bite of food, you are breaking a natural fast. Fast is something that is in God's creation. It is in our nature. But when we talk about fast from, fasting from a spiritual aspect, we have to look at the fact that it is no longer an involuntary part of nature, but we are, we are determining it. It is something that we are declaring, and we've made it up in our mind that it's going to be something that we're going to do. Brother Webster's dictionary teaches us that fasting, or to fast, uh, one definition is to abstain from all food. Another definition is to eat only sparingly or of certain kinds of food, especially as a religious observance. In Hebrew, the word sums the meaning of fasting. It means to cover your mouth. Some people need to fast from gossip, just cover your mouth. In the Greek, it means to abstain. When we talk about fasting, I want to set about a few definitions that when you are declaring a fast, we're going to talk about what it means to fast and all those things in a moment. But I want to just declare it and let it be known, a lot like I did with prayer last a couple weeks ago, that a lot of people, they say, well, if you aren't doing things a certain way, it doesn't count. That's not true. By definition alone, it is to remove something, to long for something but not to have it, to be abstaining from something. Some would say, well, that doesn't count as a fast, as if they could be more spiritual. I know I call it the Daniel diet. Some people call it the Daniel fast. But let me tell you, you try to not eat meat for 21 days, and we'll see how you feel about it. And so uh, don't, don't ever look down on somebody else for what they have decided to do. In this generation, uh, I do believe that the primary level of fasting is when it comes to diet, when it comes to food. But did you know you can also fasten this generation from technology? You can set aside your Facebook. You know why? Because your flesh enjoys scrolling for five hours. 
And whatever you are doing, as long as you are doing it, whatever you do in word or in deed, the Bible says do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. If you are declaring, God, I'm going to set this away. I'm going to put what my flesh desires, and I'm going to set it aside as unto the Lord. I want you to know God sees your sacrifice. Amen. So that was just a word for all the super spiritual people. They go, well, that doesn't count. They look down on every little thing. Whatever you do for God counts. So do something for God. Hallelujah. Some people go, well, if I'm not praying for 40 days and 40 nights, if I haven't fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, it doesn't really count, and God doesn't see my sacrifice, and he'll never hear my prayer, but I want you to know God hears every bit of it in Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning to the book of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16 in Jesus' name. Matthew 6 and 16. Jesus would teach as he is going through Matthew chapter 5. 6 and 7 uh, if you if you if you want to know how to be a Christian just spend your life in Matthew 5 6 and 7 and the moment you got it all figured out please let me know I would like to meet you and shake your hand because he talks about an eye for an eye you've heard it said eye for an eye tooth for a tooth but Jesus said don't be don't even be angry with your brother that's he's talking about a whole nother level Matthew 5 6 and 7 is the ideal that's what he's talking about the ideal of scripture but in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16, he says, Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Again, we're talking about having a Christian secret life. Amen. And uh, I'm going to talk about how to fast from a biblical standpoint. First thing I want to point out is Jesus said how not to fast. He said, don't be as the hypocrites. What is a hypocrite according to the Bible? That's where we get an actor. Uh, you're not a hypocrite if you're trying. That's, that's a mis misuse of the word hypocrite. They, some people say, well, the church is full of hypocrites. And I would just look back and say, so is the gym. There's a bunch of fat people that go to the gym. If we're going to use that definition of hypocrite. But the truth is, those fat people at the gym, as long as they're, they're not using the candy machine, they're using the actual machine, no, they're not hypocrites. They're trying. Amen. That's my favorite machine there at the, uh, at the gym is the candy machine. I always get something out of it. But, but you're not a hypocrite if you're trying. You know what? There's fat people at the buffet. They're just living it, living it, living it. But there's fat people saying, man, I want to go to the gym and I want to get better. They're trying. And there's people that got problems, and there's no better place to come with your problems than to come to church. Amen. We talked about culture for about six months last year. And, and this is a culture, an apostolic culture, where when people come in, they're going to come in with all sorts of problems. They're going to come in with, they're not going to think the way that you and I might think. They're not going to dress the way immediately that you and I might dress. They might have uh, different backgrounds that cause them to have uh, other, other ideologies. And they might not vote for the same person, think the same way. Uh, but, but just leave them alone. Let them grow in God. Amen. And whatever God wants to pull out of their life, let God pull it out of their life. Amen. And so we want to have a culture where people are welcome to come as they are. But I promise, if you get in the Holy Ghost, you'll never leave the same. But we don't want people to feel like, well, if you didn't come a certain way, you're not welcome here. No, you're welcome here. You're not a hypocrite if you're coming to church and trying. Amen. But Jesus is using this word hypocrite. This is where we get the word actor. 
and uh, and and it was it was someone who would play on a stage as an actor, and he said that they will they will portray they will act out a sad countenance. Oh God, they'll disfigure their faces. You know the person that's done this before, and if you if you don't know the person, you might be the person. They've been fasting that day. They come limping into church. The devil beat me up, Pastor. I haven't eaten in 30 minutes. I'm hey, I'm telling the truth. I've been saved long enough. You can't fool me. I know. I've seen them. You know the person that you know certain people. You know when they're fasting. Oh, they're getting on Facebook. Oh, my, my day's been so rough. Everything's been tough because I haven't eaten a candy bar in two weeks. Okay, so Jesus is telling us not to do that because it's not about appearing unto men that you are fasting. It's not that men or other people will see what you are doing for God. It's that God would see what you are doing for the kingdom of God. See, actors, they display their act based on the audience. And their audience is that they might appear unto other people. But if you have an audience of one and his name is Jesus, you don't care what anybody else thinks. Amen. Because if you do certain things in the kingdom of God so other people will notice, you will only do them when people notice. If you, and I'll just say this, as I, I'm off on a little tangent, but I might as well. If you only do things in church or in the kingdom of God when people are watching, you will only be willing to do it when people are watching. But if you develop a Christian secret life where you've figured it out, I'm going to do this whether anybody sees it or not, I've just decided I'm going to do this as unto the Lord. Whether anybody sees you or not, praise God, I'm doing it anyways. Whether anybody knows your sacrifice or not, you know and God knows, and you made it up in your mind. I will do this as unto the Lord. You know, the root of a hypocrite is when they change their audience from God to men. And it becomes more about the show and the appearance than actually doing it. In fact, there's some people that don't even fast, but they will disfigure their faces, the Bible says, that they might appear to fast. They got done eating a cheeseburger, but they'll, oh, oh man, oh, I'm so hungry. Amen. I, I just know a few folks. I've been saved long. I've met a few folks like this. And they'll be the first ones to tell you, oh, it's been a rough day of fasting. But they're going against Scripture when they do that. The Bible says, I say unto you, they have their reward. Whenever you do something for the applause of people, Every time you get the applause, there's your reward. Don't be looking for God to bless you. Post it on Facebook. Don't, don't be waiting for a blessing from God. It's not coming. God said you got what you were looking for. If you got a deficiency in your life and you need other people to fill that deficiency, the moment you get that applause or pat on the back, guess what? God says you got what you were looking for. But most people figure out real quick that that deficiency was not filled in that moment. They thought that what they needed was the pat on the back. They thought what they needed was the applause. They thought what they needed was the encouraging word. But the moment they got it from man and it never came from God, they realized real quick that they needed more than what man could offer. So it's best to not do things for other people. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. This is not a preacher-worshiping church. You don't do things for me. I am not God. Please do not put me in that position. I'd rather not stand in judgment in that position. You do things as unto the Lord. And I promise you, if you get it up that I'm going to do this for God, your heavenly Father sees in secret, and he will bless you openly. So, he says, don't 
don't appear unto men to fast, as if that became your audience. Amen. I want to talk about how to fast. Fasting must be done in an attitude of humility, not to boast, and I say this in quotes, spiritually, because you can't boast spiritually. If you're boasting, you're not spiritual. Amen. It is not necessary for others to know what, what, that we have been fasting because it has been directed towards God. I didn't fast for you. I fasted for me and my walk with God. That being said, fasting should always go hand in hand with prayer. Someone once said, if you fast without praying, you are only starving yourself. Somebody else once said, one who fasts and spend all day idly without repentance or prayer misses the point. That person is emphasizing the fasting, which is secondary, and they are de-emphasizing the repentance and prayer, which is primary, and that is the primary goal of fasting. Fasting should always go in tandem with prayer and with a repentant heart, not just a repentance from sin, because not always do we have to repent of wrongdoing. Sometimes there is a repentance that we have not been doing right. Again, sin is more than just commission or committing something wrong. Sin is also that of omission. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Not all, not all things that are repented of would send you to hell, but they will get you out of alignment with God. Paul would put it, laying aside every weight and sin that easily besets us and entraps us. Sometimes we have to go into a fast with the idea we are going to pray and we are going to repent, not because of sin or wrongdoing or a lack of right doing, but we are going to repent for the sole purpose that we are going to align and realign our spirit, amen, to the Almighty God. It is Jesus in a garden who sits and prays there and says, not my will, but thy will be done. It is Jesus in a wilderness fasting 40 days and 40 nights that when he was tempted to turn stones into bread, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is in this that Jesus is pushing away the desires of the flesh, amen, that he might fulfill the will of God. Fasting should also be done with an attitude of seriousness, and sincerity. If you have your Bibles, Joel chapter 1 and verse 14. The Bible says, Sanctify ye a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God, and cry unto the Lord. When we fast, we are willingly depriving the body of nourishment and the pleasurable taste of food. We might even be fasting from other things like technology and we are fasting and the brain is no longer getting those endorphins that are given by every image that goes across our phone. There's other, other ways of denying the flesh. Primarily, I'm talking about eating and not eating. The body requires food for sustenance. Therefore, our hearts and minds must be totally focused and directed towards God so that He may be the full source of our strength during this period of fasting. Fasting, the Bible says, to sanctify a fast. The word sanctify means to make something holy, to hollow something. Call a solemn 
assembly. I want you to know that when you declare a fast, it is not a party. It is not, as Jesus would say, uh, like the hypocrites that pray, standing in the streets, in the, in the corners of the streets in the synagogues, that they may appear to be praying and they're shouting and trying to let everybody know, I'm the one that's doing this, that, and the other. But when you go before the Lord to fast, you are making it up in your mind that I am going to make this a hollowed moment. This is going to be a hollowed and holy time. I'm going to sanctify. It's not just another day when you're fasting. I want you to know that when you make it up in your mind, I'm going to fast. I'm going to push away the plate. I'm going to deny my flesh. You are making that day that might be a normal Monday, might be a normal Tuesday, might be a normal work day, and you are saying this day is holy unto the Lord. There is an attitude that comes with fasting, and it must be seriousness, and it must be sincerity, because all of this is crying unto the Lord. If you have your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6, trying to make my way through this rapidly here tonight. Isaiah 58 and 6, I want to talk about having the correct motives for fasting. Isaiah 58 and 6 says, Is not this the fast that I have chosen? This is God speaking. What is this fast intended to do? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and to thou to bring the poor that are cast out into thy house? I want you to see the shifting of motive. It's no longer about me. Now they're bringing the poor into their home and they're feeding those that are hungry with the bread that they would have ate that day. When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thy safe, thou, thyself from thine own flesh. He's saying now when you declare a fast, the kind of fast that the Lord has set in motion, the kind of thing that God sees, he sees that the motive of man begins to shift and it's no longer a selfish motive. It's no longer uh, as is our world, lovers of them own selves, lovers of pleasures. Amen. But the Bible says whose God is their belly. We've got a lot in this generation, but when you do a fast as unto the Lord, you are saying, God, it is not about me. Amen. It's not about amen, what I am going to gain, but it's about what I'm willing to give up. It's not about what I will acquire from this, but what I'm willing to lay down. It's, it's a life and a mentality that says, I'm giving this day to the Lord. It becomes about others. It becomes about breaking burdens and breaking yokes. It becomes about loosing the bands of wickedness. Amen. I want to tell you that when the church begins to fast, uh, devils begin to tremble. I, I know people have said it, and I, I'll be teaching a lot about praise and worship. Amen. Because I believe in it. But some people say, oh, your praise is your weapon. And I believe that. But some have put all their stock in dancing on Sunday and on Wednesday. But I want to tell you there's something that happens when somebody makes it up in their mind. I will push away the plate for this day or this amount of days you know what happens? You loose the bands of wickedness. Church, we are missing weapons that are at our disposal. Amen. For a citywide revival. Amen. It's not enough just to draw the sword of the Word of God. It's not enough just to have a sling and a stone for a Goliath once in a while. It's not enough just to have a heart that soothes Saul. But sometimes we've got to be willing to push away the plate and say, I will not eat until God moves. 
Something that says, I will not be moved until God is moved. In addition to our attitude towards God and our stance before man, our motives must be correct. We should fast in order to further the building up of God's kingdom by seeking to minister to others. The prophet Isaiah received from the Lord the acceptable motives for our fast. It is unto the Lord. It is to accomplish something in His kingdom. And it is to help others. Amen. I want you to know that that we fast, amen, for those purposes. Again, Jesus would put it this way. Don't, don't fast that you might appear unto men to fast. He said this, they have their reward, but thou when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. If you got old dry tears because you're so hungry, he said, wash your face. Anoint your head. Don't look, don't look. He said, you know, don't, don't. I know people that are like, well, I'm fasting, so therefore I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up to work and I haven't showered in a month. Don't do that. Please, don't do that in church either. Please shower with, uh, with Corona. Please wash your hands. Use Purell. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to say amen on that. But, but amen, it's, 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 it's you are doing everything in your power not to appear to men to fast. You know what you're doing? You're going to work that day, and you're going to be the best employee. I'm going to help somebody. I know a lot of people that will fast and get a real bad attitude. They miss, you might as well get a, go get a cheeseburger. Your fast is null and void. It's not sanctified. It's not holy. You just, that doesn't mean that there's not moments. I get it. Well, I'm low on blood sugar. Yeah, low blood sugar. Hey, man, you might want to consult your doctor before fasting. But you've had an excess of sugar for the last few weeks, so maybe you, well, hallelujah. And, and, and there's people that will fast. And they will disfigure their faces. They'll get mad at everybody, and they'll snap on their spouse. You know, I, I tell you, it's hard to fast. But, but I've, I made it up in my mind. I'm going to do everything in my power. You know what fasting does? It keeps your focus. It does. I know that when you don't eat, you start getting a little distracted. You, 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 when you pray and fast, it should keep your focus. I'm not fasting so I can snap on my spouse. <laughs> That's not what this I'm, I'm fasting that I can loose the bands of wickedness. I'm fasting so God will bless your family, not so I can call you up and tell you what's up. Right? Okay. So he said, don't do this to appear to men to fast. He goes, if you do it with the right motives and the right way, you're doing this as unto the Lord, and your Father which sees in secret will bless you openly. I want God to bless me openly. You know, don't ever look down on somebody that's blessed. That's, that's, that's often a sign of God's favor on their life. You ought to be asking them questions. How did you get so blessed? Why is it that, man, you're smiling all the time? I, you know what? There, there's people that sometimes they, they want to be spiritual, and they think being spiritual is looking like they sucked on a lemon for six months. They go to work, and they're the most rotten employee. We ought to be the best employee. We, they, ought to, they ought to never know you had a bad day. I know we all have bad days, but and there's times where you need to go tell somebody, hey, can you pray with me? Can you work? There's some people, they get some kind of filthy enjoyment out of telling people how terrible their day is. I just don't understand that. It's just the weirdest, it's the weirdest thing. They get some sort of like endorphin release when they're like, oh, my day's terrible. You know, I, I, I told some of these young guys at open service, don't, don't open up Wednesday night service saying, I know it's Wednesday. Have you hear them do that? Forgive me. I know it's Wednesday. You know what that's telling people? Wednesdays are terrible. No, it's not. Wednesday's a great day. We get to come to church. 
Well, I'm fasting, and it's going to be terrible. You set yourself up that it's going to be terrible, and you disfigure your face, and you, oh, I'm trying to do something spiritual, and every time you do something spiritual, oh, the devil's probably going to attack me, and you disfigure your face. You might as well go get a cheeseburger and an ice cream because you ain't loosing the bands of wickedness, honey. But when you make it up in your mind, I'm going to do something for God, and I'm going to anoint my head, wash my face. Nobody's going to know I'm living for God this way. Nobody's going to know I'm sacrificing. They're not going to know I've been having a tough time. Come on. It's something that happens. There are chains that fall off. I didn't come to preach, but I might as well. You want to know fasting's powerful? Let me tell somebody, fasting can loose the bands off your family. I want to tell you that fasting can loose the bands off your finances. Fasting can change the church's atmosphere. Something happens when people fast. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't do it to appear on the men to fast. It's, it's got to be a good motive. It's got to be a good thing. It's not a negative thing. Don't, don't ever tell yourself that when you do something spiritual for God, the devil's going to come out and attack you. The devil's already attacking you. <laughs> You're just getting God on your side. You're just getting God involved in the fight. The devil's already fighting you, telling you not to pray. When you pray, you're telling that old devil, you're not going to stop me from praying. You're, the devil's already telling you to go get a cheeseburger when God told you to declare a fast. And when you fast, you are declaring war on hell that says, I'm going to do something for God. Yeah. Hallelujah. Don't stop. Stop. You're just messing me up. Get me excited. Hallelujah. No, I'm kidding. But. But why do we fast? Let's talk about that for a little while. I got too many notes. We don't have time. But let's, let's go through it as best we can. Fasting is a readjusting of the heart. Jeremiah 29 and 13, if you pull it on the screen, Brother Worley. The Bible says, and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with some of your heart. A little bit. When you got time. When you got leftovers. When you're just like not doing anything else. Everything else is boring right now. You don't really want to clean the house, so now you're going to seek God. You don't want to go to work, so now you're going to pray. <laughs> no, with all your heart. Seek me with all your heart. You know, you, you know, some people, I don't feel God. I don't find God. Well, how much heart are you putting into it? You know, in a lot of things, they told us, they told us in a lot of things, uh, whether it be you know, sports, you only get out what you put in. You know, as much effort as you put in, that's what you're going to get out of it. You go to the gym. And you think, man, I'm just going to be strong. But you don't lift any weights. You're not going to be strong. But if you go there with the intention, I'm going to lift heavy weights. I'm going to get, you're, going to, you're going to grow. You're going to get better. When you come to church, if you do it with half heart, don't expect a full God showing up. Amen. He won't be second. He won't be third. But something happens when people make it up in their mind. I'm going to give God my whole heart. I'm going to go after God wholeheartedly. God sees that, and he sees the singularity of focus. The Bible says, and we use this verse when talking about not watching television, if your eye be single, singular focus. David said, one thing have I desire of the Lord, and that will I seek after. A lot of people got too many things they're seeking after. They got multiple focuses. I, I just made in my mind, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. One thing, one thing. Where does my heart go? Not to politics. It goes to God. Where does my heart go? Not to, not to own in a house on the hill. It goes to God. Where does my heart? It all. Seek ye first the kingdom of God is righteous and all. These other things will be added. That stuff comes. But it comes after I put my heart in God's hands. 
Wholeheartedness, when a man or a woman is willing to set aside the legitimate appetites of the body or of the mind to concentrate on the work of praying, they are demonstrating that they mean business. They, they have demonstrated that they are seeking God with their whole heart. Fasting is an expression of wholeheartedness. This is clear from our opening text in Joel when it says, Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart and with fasting. Fasting helps to express, to deepen, and to confirm the resolution that we are ready to sacrifice anything, including to sacrifice ourselves, our will, what we want, what we desire, that we might obtain what we are seeking for in the kingdom of God. There, there, there's something about fasting that says this is more important than that. God answering my prayers is more important than whether I eat today. Amen. There's something that happens when you put all your heart into it. And, it, and you are going, you're going all, some people are trying to figure out, man, how does this help, help me be spiritual? I'll tell you what it does. You are setting your whole heart into God. Amen. It, it, it's, it's just as spiritual as huckabucking on Sunday. When you set aside, nobody else is around, nobody sees you, but you just push away the plate and, and, and maybe they make your best, the favorite meal that day, but you just tell them I'm not eating anyways. And, and you push it all away. You are putting your whole heart into this. And you're saying what I want from God is more important than what I want right now. Somebody lift up your hands and let's pray for just a moment. I'm telling you, this is, I want this to, this is already in the culture of some folks in the church, but I want this to become a cultural thing for Apostolic Revival Center that as the years go on, whenever we face opposition, we just throw our heart into it and we go on a fast. Whenever we are going through a struggle and we don't know what's going on, we fast our way out of it. Hallelujah. Amen. Fasting with prayer is one of the best ways to deny our our carnal nature. We all have a carnal nature, unless you're wearing a halo here tonight. Everybody does. It has been said, whatever dog you feed will be the dog that will win the fight. Amen. The same is true between our carnal nature and our spiritual nature. Romans 7, 14 through 25, Paul would describe his battle between the flesh and the spirit perfectly. I don't have time to get into those verses. You can go home later and study it out yourself. He says, the good that I want to do, I don't do. And the evil that I would not do, that I do. Oh, we, oh, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He goes through all of these things. He sees a law in his members warring against the law of his mind and bringing the captivity under the law of sin. He's saying, I have a fight in my life between my flesh and my spirit. And Paul is saying that I've got to lean, uh, i got to lean my life upon the spirit. Can I just help somebody here today? You know that when you were born, you didn't have to be taught how to lie, cheat, or steal. It, it doesn't matter. If you got kids. You know kids. They're going to lie, cheat, or steal. That just, it's in our sinful nature. Uh, does anybody here know what a fulcrum is? Okay, everybody, anybody ever been on a teeter-totter? Okay. All right, good. Okay. That thing in the middle is the fulcrum. And what it does, when you put two things of equal balance, they balance each other out. But if you move, if you move that fulcrum, something lighter uh, uh, can, can actually do more. It's the leverage. It's something that happens. We'll talk about that another time. But, but there's too many people that put the fulcrum on the side of their flesh. Well, I'll just, I'll just lean on not praying. I'll lean on not fasting. Well, what you're doing is when it comes to church and you want to feel God and you want to, you want to get blessed by God, and, and it, it seems like on every service they got to, like, shake your head and shake you and give you a back rub and just so you can feel one ounce of God, I'll tell you what it is. You put the fulcrum in the wrong place. 
you put it on the side of the flesh and it takes more effort and it takes more work and and that's why we do present an opportunity of pre-service prayer so people can actually say okay God maybe this week I didn't put the fulcrum on the right place so let me before the singers get up to sing uh, before the preacher gets up to preach before the altar call so I don't have to wait until the until the fourth song and I don't have to wait until everybody left the church and the altar call is done for me to get my blessing from God I'm going to move that fulcrum from the side of the flesh and I'm going to move it onto the side of the spirit giving me more leverage and I'm not going to teeter towards the flesh I'm going to lean towards the spirit I'm going to make it harder for my flesh somebody say I'm going to make it harder for my flesh don't make it hard for the for the the preacher to preach don't make it harder for the for God to move don't make it harder for people amen to, to don't make it harder for the singers to make you feel the presence of God you ought to just say God I'm going to get my flesh under subjection I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to church, and I'm excited to be at church. I'm going to come to church, and I'm going to feel God. I'm going to come to church, and I've already been preparing my heart. You know every service can be a conference service if you want it to be. Did you know people can get healed on a Wednesday night? You know God can move in. God can fill people with the Holy Ghost. You know we can flood this house on a Wednesday night with visitors and on a Bible study. People get full of the Holy Ghost. You know how that happens? We move the fulcrum from the flesh and put it on the side of the Spirit. We fast, we fast, we fast, and we pray. We get a hold of God. Lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on, we're going to be a fasting church. We're going to be a praying church. Devil, you come against me, I will fast my way out of it. Devil, you come against me, I will pray my way out of it. Devil, you come against me, I will give my way out of it. Oh, somebody lift up your voice and magnify Jesus. Hallelujah. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Who'd have thought? You talk about fasting and the Holy Ghost jumps in. You talk about pushing away a cheeseburger and moving away from the plate and God steps in on a Wednesday night. Can I tell you, it's spiritual. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and let's magnify him. Saying no to the flesh. I'm saying no to the flesh. Every time I pray, I'm saying no to the flesh. Every time I fast, I'm saying no to the flesh. Every time I give in that offering, I'm saying no to the flesh. Every time I worship, I'm saying no to my flesh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Fasting is not just about starving your body, but it is about weakening your flesh until God can finally work through you. That's why it's the foolishness of preaching. That God chose to save them that would believe. Sinful man telling sinful men how to be saved. Yeah. That God would work through a mortal just like God worked through the rod of Aaron. <laughs> yeah. Just like he worked through a jawbone of a donkey. God works through ordinary things and ordinary people. But when they, when they, it has to be when they have yielded themselves. You want to know how a donkey will speak? It yields itself to God. You know how people are used of God? They yield them. When you fast, you are yielding yourself to God and saying, I don't care where you send me. You know what happens when you yield yourself to God? You sell everything you have and you travel the country. You know what happens when you yield yourself to God? He puts you in a city with other people that are ready to yield themselves to God. You yield yourself. You give yourself. You put the flesh away until God can finally work through you and I. You're praying. You're fasting. You're getting a hold of God you got to remember, your flesh is always going to say no. 
Your flesh is never going to tell you to pray. Your flesh is never going to tell you to give. Your flesh is never going to tell you to worship. Your flesh is never going to tell you to fast. You can't wait on inspiration. It'll probably never come. But you can say, Lord, I declare on this Wednesday, on this Saturday, on this Tuesday. And that becomes a holy day where you push away the plate. Fasting is a sacrifice. The Bible would say they would fast. They would put on sackcloth and ashes. Amen. I'm working on a message called a not-so-friendly not so reminder. It was sandpaper. It was ashes from the fireplace that would make you itchy. And this, 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 this burlap sack of clothes. They, they had a specific clothing for fasting. And every time they'd move, their flesh would feel a rub. When you fast, if you don't feel a rub uh, of the Spirit of God just scraping away some flesh, you, you, ought to, you ought to go another day. You ought to go another meal. It's, it's not fasting until your flesh can feel that uncomfortable. It's not fasting until you, you can feel the discomfort on your flesh that says, you know what, it's a reminder that I am in a position where i got to get a hold of God. Amen. This, this is where some people, this is how you become a little more sensitive to God is when you let that flesh get rubbed away and all that's exposed now is your spirit and you can feel Him again. Fasting is about regulating and applying hunger correctly. Hunger is a feeling of emptiness, a desire for sustenance. It can also refer to a non-food related desire or craving such as a hunger for success, a hunger for power. One of Webster's definition is lacking needful or desirable elements. Hunger is the state of not having that which one needs or wants and yearning for it. When we fast, we are denying carnal hungers in a pursuit of a godly hunger. It's not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be carefree. It's not supposed to be comfortable. I, I, I want, I, there, there's, there's a lot of people that say, well, I'll fast, but as long as I can uh, do this, that, or the other. I, there's, just, there's just times where you don't just push away the plate, but you know, I'm not going to go do that because that's something I enjoy. Uh, I, and this is, this is just my personal opinion. You do what you want. I'm not going to fast and go play golf. I'm not going to fast and hop on Facebook. I'm not going to fast, and I don't really hop on Facebook anyways, but I'm not going to fast and hop on social media and scroll for the next five hours because all I'm doing is exchanging one for the other. Amen. It's got to be something that is often inconvenient, uncomfortable, and very difficult. But can I preach to somebody? It's always worth it. There's always going to be amen, an excuse to not fast if you are looking for one. Well, it's Thanksgiving week. Now, I probably shouldn't fast on that week. But, you know, there's this, that, and the other coming up. You know, I, I don't know. I might just uh, maybe drive by my favorite place to eat. You've got to try to look for all of the reasons to fast because the benefits always outweigh the momentary discomfort. It's going to be uncomfortable, but that's what a sacrifice is. And if it doesn't become uncomfortable and our flesh didn't get rubbed with that sackcloth and ashes, amen, you knew when somebody was fasting, you knew the Bible would say they would rip their garments. I, I, that always tripped me out when I read the Bible. I was thinking, man, these dudes would just get all mad and they just like start tearing clothes. Amen. They'd find out some bad news. David found out Saul had died and they ripped his garments. They'd find out something happened. They'd rip their garments. 
you know what the Bible says? Don't rip your garments. Rip your heart. Because it became a, it came, it was not in the Bible. It was not a law. It became a standard procedure for people when they got some bad news that they would declare their fast by ripping their garments. And God is saying, you missed the point. It's not about ripping your garments, amen, and putting on sackcloth and ashes. It's about letting God rend your heart and putting on a, a spiritual sackcloth and ashes. It's about saying, I will be uncomfortable, but that's okay because my petition before the Lord is more important to me than my discomfort. What I want from this fast, what I'm trying to attain from this fast, the pushing down of my flesh, amen, the, 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 the exceeding and excelling of God's kingdom and, and the expanding of God's kingdom is more important to me than my momentary comfort. I am rending my heart. If you have your Bibles, Mark 9, 28. I'm almost done. I'm going to skip through a lot of this here today. But I hope that if you if you can, go back and you can take some of these notes. You can have them. But go back and, and just, just take some notes. I'm going to be preaching a whole message on this subject right here uh, in the future. I got one that God gave me years ago. Amen for our kids' ministry. Mark 9 and 28. The Bible says, And we has come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Can I just help somebody? There are some spiritual dimensions you will never reach until you get connected with prayer and fasting. The church will never be powerful until we get connected with prayer and fasting. There are some oppositions that we will face that we can never get past until we get into prayer and fasting. You know, there's some folks that the devil's already figured you out. And I'll just stop here. We'll just, we'll just come back to other stuff at another time. There's some folks that the devil's already got you figured out how he can get you discouraged, how he can get you to quit, how he can get you to stop praying and fasting. All he's got to do is bring one problem into your world. Hallelujah. All he's got to do is bring one little, one little hiccup, and all of a sudden, it's not time to go to church. It's not time to pray. It's not time to fast. Not time to get. And all of a sudden, the whole world it becomes an upset basket for you. And the devil has it figured out. I'll just keep him in a trial. Some people wonder why am I always going from trial to trial, not victory to victory? Because the devil realized if I keep him in a trial, I keep him from praying, fasting, giving, living. Come on, hallelujah. But what you need to do is you need to turn it on its head. You need to flip your world upside down and say, devil, you don't want to mess with me. Come on. You don't want to mess with Apostolic Revival Center. You don't want to mess with the church of the living God. You mess with us, we're going to declare a fast. You mess with us, we're going to pray until heaven comes down. You mess with us. Come on. The devil starts messing with your finances, you give your way out. The devil starts messing with your family, you pray and you fast your way out. And you say, devil, you thought you threw it at me and you'd make me a worse Christian. Thank you for making me better. Oh, somebody stand all across this building and give God praise. Come on, on this Wednesday night Bible study, when it comes to fasting, you are loosing the bands of wickedness. You are entering a spiritual dimension. You are calling heaven to earth. Would you lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on, you ought to, you ought to just confuse. You ought to confuse hell. You ought to confuse the devil. Say, next time you mess with me, I'm going to push away that plate, and I'm going to get a hold of God. Nehemiah, the Bible says they fasted to prepare their heart for the word of God. 
Jeremiah was told by God, you don't give those people a prophecy until the day of fasting. Because that's when people are really ready to receive the word from God. Esther, there was a commandment from the king saying, kill all the Jews. But there was a decree, another decree that went out from Esther and from Mordecai uh, that simply said, uh, put on sackcloth and ashes uh, and fast before the Lord. Uh, And the Bible says that they fasted to change the decree of the king uh, to save the Jews. And the only one that died that day uh, was Haman and all those with him because they fasted. It was Nineveh that didn't even know the God that was being told to them that in just a couple days, 40 days, and Nineveh shall be destroyed. But they said, no one's eating. Don't give the dog food. Don't give the cat food. We're fasting. And the whole city was spared by God. Psalms 35. The Bible would let us know about David that false witnesses arose. There were people that were coming against David, lying about him. But the Bible says he humbled his soul with fasting and he prayed. And he behaved himself as if he had been a friend. You know, people that get bitter, they're not praying and fasting. (laughs) David said, they were attacking me. They were lying about me. They were saying all sorts of dumb stuff. And if no one else has been there, I've been there. Where people say all they want to say and you never get a chance to defend yourself. And you never get a chance to open your mouth and tell people the real story. Hey, if if that's never happened to you, I promise you, join ministry, join leadership. You'll never get a chance to tell your side of the story. All people want to say is their side. But when you pray and fast like David, you humble your soul, and you come and you treat them like they're your best friend. Fasting changes the world. But fasting also changes us. Daniel, the Bible says that he sought the Lord by prayer and by fasting, sackcloth and ashes. Daniel fasted to prepare his heart for the prophecy that would come to pass. He understood the times and knew that Darius was the one that was prophesied. Amen. Years and years prior that after the 70 years that he would take them back to Jerusalem. you got to fast and repent to get ready to move forward in any prophecy God has for you. Acts 10. If you can pull that one up. We're going to pray here in a moment. I never saw this before in my life. I, I saw the other stuff I wanted to talk about. I never saw this. And Cornelius said four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. Never saw that before. And I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard and thine alms. His giving, his fasting, and his prayer. That's what we're talking about these last few weeks. Are had the remembrance of the sight of God. And he said, send to Joppa, call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. And he's lodged in Simon, the tanner by the seaside, who when he comes shall speak unto thee. The first Gentile that ever received, amen, Acts 2.38, book of Acts 2.38, salvation, was a man that was praying, fasting, and giving. Some people say, well, that doesn't matter. Oh, it matters. Cornelius was brought the message of salvation, opened the entire door to the Gentiles, a sinner of sinners, a Gentile, not a Jew, not in relationship with God, but he had a revelation, I will pray, I will fast, I will give, and God brought salvation to you and I. Don't ever forget the power of somebody's fasting. Samuel, the Bible says that they fasted 
and God brought about a victory. Fasting wins battle. The Bible says that, that Jehoshaphat fasted and he got spiritual assistance. The Bible says that Ezra fasted for their kids and for their future. You can fast and get direction from God about the next steps you're supposed to take in your life. And God can help you out. And finally, back to Isaiah 58. Verse 6. I'll just read it. Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and to, that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, thou cover him, and thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily. I want to tell you what happens. Your, you, people that are always sick, you can fast, and God can heal you. Thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. And the glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward, which is another word that says God will defend you from your past. Amen. Then thou shalt call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. God, I can't find you. Start fasting. And God will say, Here I am. If you take away the midst of thee the yoke, and put forth the, the finger of the speaking of vanity, in other words, if you start to change and stop pointing the finger, and you start fasting and get a hold of me, if you'll draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity and thy darkness shall be as the noonday and the Lord shall guide thee continually and shall satisfy thy soul even in the midst of a drought God everything's dry around me fast and pray and God will satisfy your soul in a drought and make thy bones fat and thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not and they, sh they that shall be of thee shall build up the old waste places. And thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations. And thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the paths to dwell in. Church, when we fast, we are restoring the breach that the old serpent the devil has broke down. We are restoring the hedge around Carson City that says they can be saved. We are, we're not just pushing away the plate and telling our flesh to get down. We are breaking the bands of wickedness. We're saying brothels are going to start shutting down. We're going to pray casinos. I know some people think that's too crazy. Let me be crazy. We're going to break casinos shut down. We're going to pray that the bands of wickedness would be loose. That all the pathways would be open to the Lord. But it comes when a church begins to pray and fast. Would you lift up your hands and let's pray. I'm done teaching. Thank you for your time here tonight. I know your attention's important, uh, but I want you to know how important this is. Uh, amen to the Word of God. You read your Bible, they fasted. They fasted. They fasted. Uh, you read the New Testament, they fasted. They fasted. They fasted. You read Jesus and he fasted. He fasted. He fasted. Somebody pray. I want to open up this altar. Would you come and pray? Come on, would you come and pray? Did you know that something as simple as a Bible doctrine is fasting?
can bring health to your sick body. Did you know that you can fast and God can save your lost family? Did you know you can push away the plate and God can begin to work in your family? You can fast and God will give you direction. You can fast and God will help you push down your nature. You can fast and God can save. God can redeem. God can restore. But it starts when we pray and fast. Come on, church. Let this get into your heart. I pray. I've been praying for this service. Let it get down into our spirit. Let it get down into our heart. Is this not the fast I've declared? It's going to break the bands of wickedness. Jesus, when we pray and fast and give God, would you save our city? Would you save our families? Would you work in our lives? Would you bless? Would you heal? Would you deliver? Come on, that's it for just a few moments. Let's just go ahead and pray. Come on, Cornelius. There's salvation coming to your house because you fasted, you prayed, and you gave. There's things that happen. It's spiritual, even though it doesn't feel like it at the moment. God begins to move. Would you pray? Come on, church, let's pray. We're entering a new dimension. By prayer and fasting. There is a spiritual dimension that only comes by prayer and fasting. When we walk out of this building, we're making a declaration. We will be a church that prays and fasts.